You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Who or what are the Philadelphia Flyers? We're going to try and figure that out and... Huge news in the NHL for the future of broadcast television, ESPN, and potentially Gary Thorner back. Let's talk about it right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Episode 69, nice, of Orange and Back Check here. <laughs> and a fully vaccinated or half vaccinated, I don't know what shot he got, Scott Weinhardt is here. How you feeling, dude? Do you have a do you have a third arm yet? Or are you trying to feel like a zombie? You know what? I, at some points, I started speaking Russian. I couldn't get <laughs> thoughts of Donald Trump out of my head. Uh, I don't know what's going on, but Bill Gates knows every move I make now. Regardless, yep. even though I have a cell phone in hand, you know, I, I'm totally microchipped now. So all those can. <laughs> Conspiracy theories absolutely true. Uh, you know, I, I actually I got the Pfizer on Friday. I got step one of it. I went through the state. They said I was eligible, so I did it. Um, it I tell you, it, it was it was a it was uh, my arm was really really. I played hockey Friday night after I did it. Maybe it was a dumb move. I was really sore yesterday. Yeah, uh, I've heard that's really a, good. Yeah, that's pretty normal to feel sore in the arm, especially if you like unintentionally bang the arm against the wall, give it a little touch during like when you're washing it during a shower, whatever it may be, can feel a little sore, but uh, that's going to be, that, that, that'll be the worst of it. I think from what I, I've heard. Well, I mean, I don't know. I granted because I'm a bit older, I did play hockey on Friday night until like midnight. So mm-hmm. like from like nine, from 10 o'clock to midnight. So I played two hours of hockey. So my arm was really sore the next morning and I was a little sore from the night before. And then yesterday I did some things with my kids and, and a buddy of mine and um, you know, I, I, last night when I got home, I would say around six o'clock, I just felt drained. Like seriously, mm-hmm. like I felt like I had no energy whatsoever. And I wound up going to sleep for like two hours and just waking up to when I wound up staying for a couple hours after that. But I just felt like lethargic this morning. I had a hard time get going, but part of it may do the time change. So I can't tell if it was all vaccinated related or not, but yeah. even two days afterwards, my arm still kind of sore from you know getting that jab which is surprising because usually when i get flu shots and stuff i i never have a problem but i I tell you though the the vaccination process was a little bit eerie to say the to say the least yeah you were telling you were texting me this so what like what was it just the overall atmosphere or like what was it like just kind of like a walking dead or like a I am legend type of feel to it. Kind of in a sense where like, you know, you like, you watch like a movie, like contagion, like, and yeah. you see like people lined up, like to get vaccinated, different things. Like you don't realize how much like processing goes through it, all that stuff. So like when I registered, you get a confirmation email and then like a day or two before your appointment, you get like an email with a QR code in it. And then you take that QR code and you, you know, where they have it set up down here in Jersey. I went to one of the mega sites over um, at the college so um, I, you go in, you park, and you start. You walk about maybe like a quarter mile to where the processing area starts. And there's two guys at the table. It's a cop and an army guy. And like you don't realize how much of the army's there. Like there's a lot of army guys there. Like yeah. So like you give them the QR code ID, and then they take your temperature, and you go in the building. And it really kind of hit me with like first thing you go in, there's this big, giant, huge TV screen of like one of our local government officials saying the importance of this vaccine and like you're sitting there for like two minutes watch this thing as you're waiting in line to go to cross there's like it's like it kind of you know hits you like wow we we're, we're a year into this thing and now we're like we're just starting to like get out of it and they're talking about how important it is and they're seeing the word normalcy up on the screen like you're on the walk tour you're on your walk towards normalcy and it's like this is really like it's surreal in a sense it's it's really really odd and then you go through the building 
you go through and into it, they process you. There's, they split you up into two lines. They have you six feet apart. They, they take line by line and they finally put you in another building and you go register where you need your QR code again. And you finally, when you get to it, you go to a station where literally it's like an assembly line of just people getting in and getting out vaccinated. Like literally it's like, okay, the guy be like, okay, you go to table six, next person. Okay. Table 12, uh, table 14, take, you go to, ta- and they finally got you go to table five. And like, says so you just sit down, you, they jab you. They put a bandaid on it. They give you a card, and they and you sit for fifteen minutes. And then, if you don't have any side effects, you're gone. It's it's really hmm. weird how like it felt almost like an assembly line because yeah. army guys are processing the entire way. And you know, I, I, before we get it, I gotta say the coolest thing was honestly was like a couple right before I was about to walk into the area where you actually get the vaccine. I see one of these army's guys, army guy talking to this girl and you can see him like exchanging yeah. numbers and what, what better place to try and get a, get a hookup and at a vaccination. That's seat. what I said. I was like, man, like, you know, I, mean, I see this guy, like they're flirting back and forth. And like, you know, there's a couple people behind this girl where she's in line to get vaccinated as well. Yeah, of course. And the guy goes, Oh, you guys, you guys go around, go right ahead. And they, you see him exchange numbers and she walks off. Like uh, there's not, she walks off. There's another person that goes and then me. And I just walk in the guy. I'm like, Yo, nice pull, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's so then amazing. I get jabbed. This is the best part. Then I get jabbed. And then um, I'm sitting there and I'm near, I'm, I'm like closest area near the door. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I see the army guy come back and tell us other, you know, like he's talking to his buddies and uh, he's telling like, oh, I got this chick's number and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, no, you didn't. I turn around. I'm like, yeah, I saw the whole thing. It was fantastic. <laughs> so finally, I'm like two minutes away from, from being okay. Cause you got to sit for 15 minutes afterwards. And the, and the girl walks by and she sees the guy and she goes, I'll text you to the guy. And the guys are like, Oh man, like, yo, nice job, buddy. That's great. So finally, when I got up and left, I said, Hey, by the way, uh, thank you for your service guys. And you good luck, buddy. It was so <laughs> fantastic. So uh, a, a very, very cool thing to see actually. So that- like, Hey, can you imagine that story? Like, Hey, uh, mom, 10 years down the line. Mom, dad, where'd you meet? Uh, we met during a pandemic at the vaccination site. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone poked your mom around the corner and then I did afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. So, yeah. yeah. That, they certainly. That's, yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. I go I back. It. I go back in a couple of weeks to get my second one. And yeah. Then, it's like 28 you know, days or something. Yeah. You got to wait. You got to wait three weeks. So yeah. I go back in three weeks to do it. I get part two and then two weeks after that, apparently you're fully immune to it, which is awesome. So, hell yeah. um, I, you know, there was a lot of people there and I think it's really cool that this whole process is going along and I, you know, will be a sense of hopefully normalcy sooner rather than later with all this, because they, I mean, I'm telling you, man, the way I had the, as fast as you're getting processed and there were a lot, a lot of people there. I mean, they're just running and running and through them. I, you know, at, at that speed, you know, they're talking about anywhere between like May and July to be back where everybody's vaccinated and normal. I can absolutely see it happen. It just, it, it's, it's, it's just an assembly line. It's just a, a just processing, 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 just yep. getting people through and getting them vaccinated. It's a really cool thing. Yeah, it's awesome. And, and thankfully, we saw some fans back in the stands here yeah. uh, in Philadelphia. We, uh, the Sixers are playing in the Wells Fargo Center, obviously, as well. They had their first batch of, uh, of fans in the stands over the weekend uh, tonight against the Spurs. And it's just, it was nice to see them in the stands. Uh, I don't know how much they appreciated having to spend money and watch the 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 crap the slop that we saw over this week. I I mean that's really the only way to put it. Like it it just seems that they don't know where to go. They're confident in themselves. They've said that in almost every press conference since the the struggle really started probably three weeks ago and now it's really coming to a head it seems like now it's not just carter hart that's struggling it's brian elliott had was pulled from a game for the first time whether that and what like and, and the defense continues to have all these turnovers they're still confident in themselves why do you like that's my only thing like maybe it's just part of the routine they're giving us the slop in the in in the media but this team just doesn't seem to as we talked about last week they don't seem to have an identity and they're still searching for it. And I don't know where they're going to find it in the, the 40 plus games, 30 plus games that are remaining in this season. Uh, look, they're, they've got problems right now. And, you know, this could be hopefully, you know, you know, last week I was pretty after a loss like that, you're a little bit emotional with seeing the lackluster effort. I think it was frustrating this week because they were lucky again to get two points when there were six available this week. We talked last week about how they really needed to get all six points to stay ahead in the standings because now you're starting to see some of the separation and look at this because now 
The Flyers are three points behind Boston, who hold fourth place. Pittsburgh's starting to run away. They're up six points. Washington's up nine points. The Islanders won again tonight as of this recording on Sunday, and they have they're up 13 points in the Flyers. Yep. So they're, 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 that's the separation I'm talking about of how quickly it go. I mean, because last week when we talked about this, the Flyers were one point ahead of Pittsburgh. Now Pittsburgh's six points ahead of them. So that's how important it is to, to get these points and start getting some of these wins. My, my concern comes down to this, and I'm not going to try to sound like a broken record, I'm not going to put too much of the blame on the goaltending this week because I don't think Brian Elliott did a terrible job. I think he kept him in it against again, but the, the defense is just God awful with some of these turnovers. And it's not even some of the defense. It's just the team defense as a whole has made some silly mistakes. You go back to the second goal against Washington the other night, Nick Obey Kubel sweeps off the left circle. Okay. And then, uh, Travis Sandheim is like right behind him pretty much. There's two Washington Capitals in the vicinity. So he decided to do a drop pass at the blue line with nobody back. Yeah. So, and that's what caused the breakaway. It's silly little mistakes like that. And that turnover that cost you the game essentially, because you tried to battle back in it, but you couldn't come close enough. You were down a goal. Then you give up an empty netter. Was this the game? Was was because I because Kubel also had a huge mistake on Saturday. Was are you talking about the game in on Thursday night? Yes, then? I'm talking about okay. Thursday okay. night's game. It was just, but the key is, is that it's a drop pass at the blue line when your defenseman's not behind you. Is that's hockey sense? That's not a smart play. You don't take the puck up the perimeter with two guys in your area and leave it there. You dump it back in the offensive zone away from those guys to the open ice where there can't be that threat. Look, he tries to drop pass, it gets broken up, and boom, they're off on a breakaway and they score a goal. And then also, look at the other night, you know, on uh, when uh, Ovechkin had the turn, when the Flyers turned it over in their own end. Loose puck, Ovechkin finds it and drills it, like, and it gets past Elliott. I, you know, I don't think there was any kind of bad goal or anything that he really gave up. It's the fact that they're not clearing pucks out in front on second chances, and they're not doing anything smart with the puck, and it's causing turnovers the other way. You know, he had to bail them out once or twice, but you can only do that so much against a team like Washington. If you're going to give them layups, they're going to slam them home. Yeah. So uh, that's the, the problem. The, the drop passes, it seems like they have attempted those, not just Kubel, not just – like everyone seems to be doing drop passes way more than I've ever seen this team try and do. And it's just like it's enough. Just stop trying to be cute and fancy. It's not going to work in how fast this teams are, these teams are anymore. Stop with the drop passes. Just make sharp, simple-angled east-west uh, passes, and you'll create something. Creating something out of the drop pass does happen, but you have to have the skill and the uh, – the, the 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 attention of where you're at because you're you just they just seem to be like the guy that is playing NHL two twenty one and is dropping passes on, on when you're playing the group uh gaming the, the game mode where it's five v five users uh online and you think that you can get get away with it every single time you get away with it in NHL twenty one you don't get away with it in real NHL in two thousand and twenty one wake up. Like that's what that's and it's simple stuff. Like the if you eliminate twelve of the stupid uh, drop passes, and that's all that that's being a generous number. It's way more than twelve. Twelve was just what came to my mind. Like if you just cut out ninety percent of the drop passes, you are already creating ninety percent better chance of creating chances on net right then and there. Agreed. And part of the issue, too, is that they are thinking that they're a much faster team. They're trying to play like a, than a faster team than they really are. When you're a fast and skilled team, you can do a lot of those drop passes. Watch Toronto. Toronto can do it with their top line of Mitch Marner, Zach Hyman, and, uh, and Austin Matthews. They can make those types of plays because they have enough speed off the rush to be able to do those drop passes where another guy's picking it up and it creates separation because that speed alone is spreading out defenses. Yep. Players don't have that. They don't have that breakaway kind of speed where they can really say, oh, yeah, they're, they're out there out faster they're more of a grinding team they're more of a throw it down in the corners and go get it and cause a turnover that way cycle it back again we've talked about this for a couple weeks now why they're not playing that style is just beyond me and they do later in games once they get settled in but they, they they come out they try to play with speed right away and it doesn't work and they get behind in these games and you know 
you were lucky to come back against Buffalo. Buffalo's team just can't close out games for whatever reason. They're just not. Oh well, yeah, they're they're just not a good team. They're not just a good team. You can't close out games, so you had a feeling you could come back. And but that doesn't mean because you can come back on Buffalo that you can come back on Washington, yep. or you can come back on you know the 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 Penguins, or you can come back on the Bruins. Like it doesn't work. The comebacks are a rare thing. Now I appreciate the fact that this week I'll say this: I'm not as upset this week because they did. While they got outworked at certain points in the game and out being reason why they outwork is simply because of speed. They stuck to their guns and they outworked them to the point where they got back in the game. So to me, that gives me hope that this thing is going to turn the corner sooner rather than later because of the way they're coming back in the games and outworking teams at certain points. What's going to wind up killing them is those slow starts and where they can't get, they get bogged down with speed way too early. That's going to hurt them. And I think that they've thrown away some points because they're not peeping their game plan simple as possible. You know, they you can see them make adjustments later on in periods and games and they start grinding teams down, but they're not doing it early on. And I can't quite put my finger on why that would be the case yet. Um, but look, this week was not good. The Flyers don't have an identity. You, you can't use the, oh, well, we didn't have a team for two weeks because of COVID. That's not an excuse. You can't use the fact that they only practice time. Every team's going through this. They just, they're not a good team right now. Guys aren't stepping up to the plate and they're trying to be too fancy and they're overthinking it. So the simpler they make this thing and the simpler they start playing and yes, why they still have confidence in themselves. It's not about confidence. You can be as confident all as you want, but if you're not keeping your game simple and you get happy feet and you're too make thinking too much ahead of trying to make the too cute play to make sure you move the goalie out of position instead of shooting the damn puck, then you're overthinking it. You're not playing your thinking. And then that's when you start to get hurt. So yep. maybe they're thinking too much to start and then settling in and playing in the second and third, but it's killing them. And the first 30 minutes of a game, they just, they just don't seem to be in it at all. No, they, they, they don't. And that leads me to like, like Claude Giroux in, in the post-game press conference against on Saturday night's game was just like, we're excited for go. He didn't sound very uh, enthusiastic about it, but I think it was the, the wear all of w- just coming off a loss and a disappointing loss. But he said that the team is excited to get on the road for this wor- road trip up in New York this week. You got the Rangers and Islanders for three straight. And it's like, are they confident in themselves to turn this around or is it this just slop in the media to keep the, the, the dogs at bay, so to speak? Cause part of me wants to truly believe, like you said, they're turning a corner at some point because of what this, the issues are, it can be solved without a lot of practice. It can be solved in just constantly working on the game itself. When you're in game, I should say that's, that, that's what I'm looking for. Like, it's not a s- exclusive thing where you're trying to figure it out in practice. You can figure it out, and they have. We've seen like the confident the comebacks are not a fluke. Like that is a showing of how strong this team is in where they are in the East. Like they're a top four, top three potential, or sorry, top five, top four potential in this team. Like just missing the playoffs or barely making it, but. It, you're going to end up in the six, seven spot. If you continue to do these stupid turnovers and you have the devils go jump you like this is, but again, it's something that I think the team could fix it, figure out like I, I, whether it's through a trade and we'll get into that. Like the, the, it's heating up the, 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 the trade rumors with Nashville and what they, what they want to do there. But you have to ask yourself, is this team able to fix this? and contend in the East, whether it be a top four, top three, whatever it may be, uh, and go from there. Can they turn it around in the games that they have remaining is the real question, I guess. Yeah, I think they can. But I think, unfortunately, what you're seeing is what you're going to get. They're just they're, yeah, they're mediocre. They're, yeah. just, they're, they're mediocre. And that's what, I think that's what the frustrating thing is for a lot of this, is that the, you know, after seeing them play last year, they had the capability of beating any team in this division – Right now, they just, for whatever reason, aren't. And yes. they're just they're just a mediocre team. Like, you know, we can look at this specifically 
You know, last week I, 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 I called out the coaches for the first time in two years here. Um, it, it's not, you know, like dramatic type, oh, it's Philly media, you know, hyping this whole thing up. No, the coaches need to do something systemically to get these guys playing the right way. Someone's going to get fired. Like, I, I'm not saying it's going to be. I don't know if they're there yet. I don't, I don't know, know if they're there yet. After it, the season, possibly. Maybe, but I think it's one of those things we talked, again, we, that we talked about how uh, it's a lot of former head coaches that are butting, not butting heads, but are trying to be cohesive and work together to build a game plan to make this team successful. AV is the head coach, Mike Yo, Michelle, uh, I forget his last name, it doesn't matter. Tarian. Tarian. Like it, these guys just are are former head coaches themselves. So when you have that amount of of uh, 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 of alpha in the locker room, are the teams as we've talked about creating turnovers because they're they're not sure they're getting too many voices in their heads of where to go with the puck and what to do with it. Because A.V. is the guy. I trust A.V. I like Mike Yo. He did some good things with Minnesota. Michelle uh, Tarion, like, I like. I don't know what you get from him. Like, is he that good? Like, I, if my mind is correct, he was the former Montreal coach for a so time. Was Montreal, Pittsburgh, took yeah. Pittsburgh to the final in 08, was fired in 09 for Dale, Dan Bilesma before uh, they won the cup. So it's just kind of like one of those two is going to be fired if if – we're still talking about this in a month. I think it's, it's, I really see, do. Is, I, I don't know. I don't see. I don't know. I mean, you can criticize the coaches. And I think that there might be a change after this off season strictly because of the special teams. Yes. Um, but here's the way I look at this. Um, I look at this in a sense of they're going to, I think, I think most teams around the league. Now there've been a couple of coaching changes already. Calgary fired their coach. They brought back Daryl Sutter. Um, so I, I think you're going to look at some coaches like Princess Buffalo, Ralph Kruger. He's not going to survive this season of how bad they were yep. and how much how, they start off great last year, crashed, and they haven't recovered since. So that's a coaching thing. Um, I, I look at it overall as like this, is that I really think depending on how the season wraps up, if they sneak in, then I think they're going to look at it as, you know what, we're going to give it another year because it was COVID and we didn't get practice time and all this stuff happened and all that crap happened. Even after that, though, I could still look at this brass and be like, you know what? It was a strange year. We didn't meet expectations. We're going to give it one more shot with these guys because of what happened the year before. I think that's more the likely scenario. I I don't want the COVID excuse. Neither do I, but will they probably use it? It gives them an easy out if they don't want to make it. It is an easy out. And that's what, like, you can can sell, sell that bag of goods on the cheap compared to anything else like i i get that but i also think like also consider it since it's philadelphia we're talking about this eagles just going through a really disappointing season that Mm -hmm. ultimately led to the trading of your former franchise quarterback and your head coach you have a new head coach you have a new potential franchise quarterback and you basically did blame covid to some extent for the for the for the for the lack of success uh, and right. can 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 the Eagles fans who are also big Flyers fans stomach that kind of excuse again? I don't think they can. I think that's one of those things where they're going to call for more heads. Like if Doug Peterson can get fired, Michael Yo and, and Michelle Terry can get fired as well. And AV, yeah. like I, like AV uh, off AV's the table, but I don't. I I think it's I think it's very very unlucky, unlikely. Yeah. I think uh, they would shake up the the. I, I don't think it's first. And here's why, yes, and I think that's why is that you might need to get different ideas in there for Vignette. Exactly. I, I think that's you need a support staff in there for him. Maybe promote. That, yeah, yeah, maybe promote the the, the AHO uh, Scott, Scott Gordon. Gordon. Like maybe. I, I don't think him. they want to do that because his development's I, he, really good with younger players. He does. I agree with that. Like he, yeah. there was a reason once when he stepped in for Laviolette, uh, or excuse me, for Dave Hackstall. Uh, after he was fired, like he kind of filled the role and he gets the attention of the locker room. And that's why he continues to stay with the, uh, I almost said Adirondack Phantoms, Jesus, yeah. uh, the uh, Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like it, it's just one of those things where you kind of just want to keep him in the room because yeah, you're right. Like he is a great developer of young players, young, uh, young, young men in the, in that league. And mm-hmm. it turns out well in, in, in the NHL, NHL. That's why you have guys like the National Predators uh, scout scouting scouting out there, which we'll get to in a second. Like that, that I agree. Like that overall, I think Scott Gordon is well in the AHL. And here's and and here's why I look at this. I think there's there's step one. Can they can they can they improve the on ice product? Yes. Can they make a move? Yes. Okay. They're talking Victor Arvidsson from um, uh, from Nashville and and Matthias Ekholm. 
Now, Arvidsson, he has um, he's had some good seasons in the past. He's had he had a down year last year. He's a little bit uh, down this year. Um, overall, I do think that Arvidsson could be a little bit of a spark plug here. You I plug agree. him in on your second or your third yep. line. A couple years ago, he had how many points here? Let's see. He's uh, a couple years ago he had. 16, 17, and 17, 18, he had 61 points. Um, he's gone down specific since he, since then. So, like, in 18, 19, and 48. Last season, he had 28 points in 57 games. Um, so, but I also he, think there's a bit of a spark plug sucked. there. Yeah, I think, I think that's one of those reasons for the lack of point production is because Nashville is just not a good team anymore. Yeah. Like, and you're talking at, about those years when they went to the Stanley Cup final mm-hmm. under LaViolette. Like, those yep. years are – there for a reason so you get yeah, a good coach like like peter like, laviolette yeah you know but yeah. It, but but av is just is up there with laviolette. no i'm not i'm not speaking up but like yeah I, I, it's lavi specific style not to go not to harp on this and not thing saying like oh man I'm, I'm wondering about coaches from 10 years ago no 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 lavi is very specific look you go online and watch his coaching symposiums he's very specific about what he likes to do he's very simple game plan for him so he likes to send two guys in he likes to play to the open side of the ice he goes if there's guys on my on one side i'm rimming it around the boards of the other side i'm attacking that's puck from the other side that's how they create a lot of their offensive opportunities what their downfall is they get caught and when they get caught and they, you know, but he's a coach that wears thin, but anyway, you can see how much he gets out of a player like Victor Arvidsson. I mean, this guy was a late round draft pick. He was a fourth rounder in 2014. That's, that's, that's mid round. That's about Oscar yeah. Lindblom territory. Yeah. And he got 61 points out of him in two seasons. He had 31 goals, 29 goals and 34 goals. So like the guy, the guy can score. So if you pick him up along with Matthias Ekholm, that's actually quite of an upgrade you can get. And they're talking upgrade. about yeah, they're talking about Gustafspear and sending Gustafson. I don't know how the mechanics of that work out because you're the Nationals losing a forward and a defenseman. You're sending two defensemen back that way, and one of them with an expiring contract, which comes off the books because you be part of it. The only issue I, I have with this is it comes down to how much you got to give up to get both of them. And then yes. what do you got to do to expose them in the draft? Because chances yeah. are you got to expose both these guys, but you don't want to give up assets because if you're going to get a guy like Matthias and Matthias Ekholm, that's the guy you're going to keep on your team for a few seasons. Now you hope you because his contract and, expires after next year. Well, that's the point. You're not going to trade for a guy yeah. who, who has one year and you're going to, not going to give up a boatload for him. I have to look in Arvidsson's Arvidsson's contract. I think he's got a couple years left. He has, he's in the middle of a seven year deal. I think okay. he's in, th- he's in year three or four of a seven year deal. So he's, that, he's locked exactly, in for a while. That's a move you need to make that. Yeah. So I, you're probably I, more in that trade, giving up Arvidsson than you are yes. for Ekholm in that I, sense. I, I definitely am in the mindset of this team because of the, the, what we're seeing over these last three weeks. And I know we were just pretty negative in, in the first 25 minutes of this, it, this episode but at the same time like what this team's potential is is still there what we saw in the second and third periods late in buffalo and late in the second game of washington because of the offensive production and when you lack the turnovers Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you see what Mm -hmm. this team could do correct the, 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 I think what Fletcher and, and everyone else in, in, the, in the front office right now is weighing is, is it worth giving up the guys like Gossesper? I think Gossesper, they're more than willing to give up. I think uh, I, I think Gossesper and Gossesper, they're willing to give up tomorrow or yesterday if they could. Are they willing to give up prospects that are still in this mid-tier they're still working themselves out in 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 nashville or i almost said nashville in in lehigh valley in the juniors themselves whatever it may be and then i think they're at a point this is my thought they because they think they can figure this out in this season currently to get into the playoffs and potentially contend for a cup that they're willing to work that out to play for today and worry about tomorrow later. It's a very scary mindset for Flyers fans because that is very Bobby Clarkish, that is very Paul Paul Holmgrenish, and it's not what we're used to over the last seven seasons in terms of where since probably six seasons whenever uh, Ron Hextall came in and now Chuck Fletcher because they stockpiled draft picks and we're seeing the fruits of that that harvest recently and is chuck fletcher willing to give up tomorrow for today and i think i'm on the tier of we can go back to that as long as it's not 
huge prospects. As long as it's yeah. not big name prospects, I think you can do it. But I don't think you're giving up a guy like someone Frost or anything like that. I don't know. Or, like I, I think I don't think you're giving up anything like maybe. that. But if you're uh, Nashville, you need something because you're trying to replenish your own stockpile. Yeah, you're not giving up that much of your future. That Morgan Frost is going to be a guy who can score. Like he's yeah. going to be a good playmaker. He's going to be a guy you're going to put up put up with Nolan Patrick or Sean Couturier because yep. you, at, at this point you have to plan for. Giroux and 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 Voracek not being here, not after this season, but probably after next. Yeah, season. after next season, after the yeah, following because season, because I, I, yeah, I you're think right. that Voracek's contract is up next season or the season after that. You you might want to look to try to offload him this season to get that cap space. Absolutely, like, look, I, that's I, why I, you I, expose Voracek. You're, they're going to expose you can't. He's on a non-movement. No, he's not. No, Voracek is not. Claude was on a non-movement. Claude Giroux is on a non-movement. Claude Giroux's not on a non-movement, and you're not going to move him. That, like, he's always going to be protected. I like, could have swore that Jake had a Everyone thinks that Voracek is. It is a very big uh, miscommon thing that Voracek is on a uh, no-move clause. They can move Voracek tomorrow, and it would not oh, affect wow, the contract. they could move that. That's right. You so know what? They, you're right. I forgot. We talked about that last season, that this would be the offseason to move him because exactly. of different thing so listen uh, you know what you're right thank you I, I stand corrected you're absolutely right that would be if, if someone could take on now the flat cap complicates it of course huge yep. but can you imagine if a guy like jake went there and you pick replace him with a guy like victor arvidson the production there at that point you're dropping oh, off it's a huge. on your skill set you're dropping off because jake does have a great skill set now granted he's he hasn't played that great he's only got three goals in the season has 18 points but that's 15 assists that 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 got the puck to the net. So yep. you're, you're missing out on the importance of that. Jake hasn't played great as of late. He's been kind of quiet, but so is the offense. So you're right. If they if you go back to when they're able to put up three goals, four goals the past couple games, that offensive production is starting to come back. And if they can come down to the team turnovers and their team defense can improve and they can get a guy like Ekholm to solidify them back there, yeah, they can climb back into this thing. But – they they need to cut down on the turnovers key and, and going to. back to yep. Voracek, if you can find a way at some point after this season to offload him and you bring in a guy like Victor Arvidsson, uh, and who's going to be on the team for a couple of years here, then you can have those conversations. But you know what? Maybe we need to bring G back for a couple of years at you know at another, another term. You'd start talking about but again. I, you're right. We they might have the mindset of we're just worried when we get to it, but. I mean, I'm exposing Jake in the expansion draft. Yeah. Also, we're going to have to expose some pieces here. The guy like maybe like Samheim or Myers or Myers who was, who was cut scratched the other night. Yep. You, you really got to figure out if you're going to do like some of these teams did with Vegas and trade them a first round pick and say, hey, don't take this guy. I'll give you compensation instead. That's hundred percent going to happen. And that's what we, like you said, that's what we saw a ton with the Vegas draft a couple of years ago. You saw, and that's why Vegas was in the finals uh yeah. that same year like they got so many pieces they built a playoff caliber not just a playoff uh contender a true stanley cup final contender in that first season and they've been consi- they've been contenders ever since yeah they've been Adding mark stone contenders. was huge for them last year so yes you're it's in Seattle is going to be a lot of fun to see. And like that is a hundred percent going to happen and you can still re and that's why I think you're also willing to make a trade like for Matias at home and, and, and just move on and see what you can do with this and try and win today. Because if you have to give up, say a first round pick in 2022, Eric, yeah, in the 2021 draft and the 22 draft, that draft pick isn't as, high as what we're used to like you're used to being in the teens then you're talking about the 20s the 25s whatever depending on where they land in the playoffs that draft pick isn't as uh impactful on on your on your roster and then you're willing to give it to seattle and say hey let us continue just stay away from travis sandheim stay away from philip myers despite him being in the doghouse Mm -hmm. and just see what happens so i think a trade's going to happen that's what the ultimate thing's going to be because Chuck Fletcher, AV, they, I, when they, desp- again, despite how they sounded after Saturday night against Washington in the failed comeback, they truly believe that they can come, come back out of it. four points in out outside looking in sounds like a lot, but that's also f- four games, two games. And all of a sudden you're back in it, depending on who you're playing. And because you're playing teams that you just played two days ago, 
every other night. Like it seems like because you're only playing the guys in your own division, those points can stack up real, real quick. Right. And all of a sudden you're back in fourth place and you're playing for you're in the playoff hunt. I think a trade's coming. I just they need to do it sooner rather than later. They well, can't well, wait till the trade deadline. No, and I agree with you. And I think that considering this week might be a good week to pull the trigger. I mean, because you, you know, you have to consider protocol COVID protocols yep. too. I the NHL's probably holding guys out. I think they held out line A for a few weeks, but that could have been because it was going from Canada. The US. He, was also, he was also injured too. I remember. Yeah, but I don't think during the IR. trade. I don't think during the trade at the time of the trade he was injured, but I know he did get hurt at some point. But mm-hmm. you're going to need it this week because look, I mean, overall the Rangers have been playing okay. I mean, they're 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 four, uh, they're four and three in their last seven, or you know, you know, four three in their last seven, five and four in their last nine. They're they're playing about 500 hockey, so you're going to get hit or miss with them. They shut out the Bruins last game they played and the game before that they were shut out by the Bruins. So um, you, you have a team there that you can kind of write the ship with a little bit because they're not playing up the expectations that some people had. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. the Islanders have won eight in a row. So, I mean, you're going to a, from a team where you can kind of write the ship to a team that even though that JG Prajot is on the COVID list now, we don't know how long for. Yeah. Um, they got hit hard with COVID. There's the things that are being floating around out there. There's going to be a couple more guys. They lost their captain, Anders Lee, but they're still chugging along and they want eight in a row. Um, so granted now, out of those those wins, uh, seven of them have come against either the Devils or the Sabres, or six of them came out of the Devils or the Sabres. So, I mean, you're not talking about, you know, fantastic teams here, but they're handling them pretty, pretty well. And I, I think it's important that the Flyers are only a couple points back for Boston because Boston's been really not that good as of late. I mean, they've got – they've lost – four out of their last seven so i mean they're not playing that well and if you look at them they've got a lot more l's in their last 10 or 12 games than they do w's so yep. um really last couple wins that they've got they sweep they beat the flyers at lake tahoe and then from there they lost three out of four and then from there they've lost you know uh three out of five so they're they're not really that consistent they're, they're starting to see maybe that each factor creeping in a little bit from them and and you're starting to see point. that you know that where they're getting a little more tired you know, where that's at because they're not playing as well as they normally do. Now, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately the Flyers want to play them for a little while, but this is a good week where if you get two wins on the Rangers, you're at four points. And with Boston playing as inconsistent as they are, you can leapfrog them. And yep. then if you're going against the Islanders, who, yes, they're losing, they lost their captain. And if JG Paggio is still on the, on the list, that's, that's majorly impact from them. And if you can just find a way to score on Simeon Varlamov, However, yeah. this team just for whatever He's, reason can never score I on. Don't them. understand it. Yep. And neither why. Him and him and Tukaraz, they just can never score on those guys. If you can find out a way to score on Simeon Varlama, who's playing pretty well right now, um, and you can eke out a, a point or two points against the the Islanders and maybe pick up six points this week. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Let's go five. Let's change the number from six to five this week, and maybe we'll actually something will happen. If you actually have five or six points this week. Okay, now you're on the right track and you're in the right you're in the right direction. But you know, that's only speaking. You can only be as confident as you want to be. You gotta go out and you gotta produce, and you gotta stop turning yeah. the damn puck over, and you gotta help out your goaltenders too. That and- goes to my point. Like is A V has also said he's happy with how this team is playing, and that goes to how he's his confidence still in this team. He thinks they can get these points back. He's still confident in this team and what they can do. What is he is he just seeing if in the sense that we've been talking about, eliminate the drop passes, eliminate the turnovers, and you're a contender again? Or is he something, see something else that we're not seeing? Because I, there are moments when I'm like, oh, yeah, I see that out of AV. And I'm like, there is a lot of stuff that you can turn around and you're happy to see them play. And then, like, there's other moments where I'm like, I'm ready to jump out the window right here. And I don't want to watch this team anymore. I'm ready to, sh- I'm not going to say I'm not ready to shut down this podcast. I love this podcast, but it's like, I'm tired of watching inconsistent hockey. So what is AV seeing? Or is he just being, again, feeding slop to the media and behind the scenes, he's just ripping this team apart. Well, first of all, it's coach speak. If you ever heard a coach say, I'm not confident in this team, it's going to cost him his job. Right yeah, there. of course. He's yeah, not any, no. he's not John Tortorella. Who's just going to say one or two words and then move off. He's going to give his thoughts. He's going to be analytical is that's how, that's how Vigneault works. I, if he, if he's saying the team is playing better, are they playing better than they were last week? Yes, they are because offensively they are. Now they've had moments in the games where they've just absolutely sucked. And a lot of them have to do with the bad turnovers. But that's been an issue all season. If you want to look at the last couple of games here that they played, 
the Flyers haven't played terribly. That's why I'm not ripping them really so much this week. It's, it's annoying with the turnovers. But a couple less turnovers, guess what? You're winning those games like 4-2, 4-3, to yep. to but in the way you're playing. Like, offensively, your production is picking up in the second and third period. There's two things they really got to stop doing. One of them, like I said, 50 times already. Stop turning the damn puck over softly. There's a lot of them are unforced errors. Now, I don't care if you're a guy and you get you get jammed and you get hit and you lose control of the puck and you're off the races the other way and you gave up the body to try to make the play and it went the opposite against you. I'm not going to rip you. But I am going to rip you if you have something where you're going to do a drop pass at the blue line with no defensive support behind you and boom, that's what? One outlet pass and the guy's on a breakaway. Or yep. if you're going to go up for a puck battle along the wall, lose control of it and not even try to – you know, with Ovechkin in the area, instead of taking the safe play and dumping it out of the zone and, and fighting away, when you make stupid plays like that, you, get, you should get called out. But eliminate that and eliminate the fact that every time this team scores a goal, they give one up within two minutes, it seems. Once they stop doing it, Jim Jackson said again, you were right from last week when you mentioned it. That's 11 times they've done that this season. That yeah. is momentum killers. Yeah. Like it's a momentum killing goal. When you give it, there, there's, there's a couple Cardinal rules, especially if you're, if you're playing hockey and you're, you know, you've played organized hockey, you kind of know the feeling. If you give up a goal within the first minute, it kind of deflates you because you're not off to the start already. No, you're not even a minute in. It's like, shit, like, oh, sorry, you're already down a goal. And Secondly, when you give up goal in the last minute of a period, if you get out of a period and you don't give up a goal within the last minute, even if you're down or up a goal, it's, it's considered a good thing. But if you give up a goal with less than a minute to go in a period, you're going to that locker room already pissed off because it's like we shouldn't have given up that goal so late in the period. We let this team climb back in it or we gave them one or whatever. You kind of Teams have a tendency to kind of dwell on that or get angry about it because it's so recent going in the locker room. Yep. But – if you eliminate those two things and stop, and, and all the other and, and the other rule is, is when the when you give a goal right back after you score, you outwork a team, they get a goal like they did, and then guess what? They give it right back. That's what kills you because it's like you got the momentum, and then guess what? The team just stole it away from you, and now they got the momentum, saying, "Hey, look, we were down, we just got it back, we're right back in this thing." It's a it's a fragile thing. It really is a fragile thing. So, if the Flyers can get momentum by not turning over the puck and not giving up goals right after they score them, which has to do with the turnovers, has to do with their team defense. If they can do that, a lot of the a lot of the problems are corrected already. The problems really become more robust when the offense isn't clicking and these things are happening like it did last week, not the week before, not this past week. So that's the key thing you want to take notice at. Against like Pittsburgh, a lot of those angry those, those things happen. This week, I, I saw them where, yeah, they gave up goals and they had defensive turnovers, but offensively, the production was there. It wasn't there the week before. So, um, from the you know the the smoothness, the you know the the the, the overpassing was there the week before. You didn't see that too much as they got towards. So, yes, I see where Vigneault says they're playing better. Uh, it's a matter of though, is that the more they simplify their game, like they have in the later periods, if they could do that for sixty minutes and not forty or thirty. Results will happen. And again, the turnovers and not giving a goal right after, if they start correcting those things, then you're right, Bill. They can be one of the better teams up in the third place in the East. But until those happen, they're going to be mired in mediocrity until they figure it out. Yeah. And it, that it, mired in me mediocrity has just been something it feels like they've been stuck in for the last seven years, seven yeah. seasons. Like it, it's yeah. just one of those things. Like it, it was nice last season that they got their first playoff series win since 2012, all that stuff. And it's just, but it, like it just feels off right now. And it feels very, not just off, but very, since the beginning of the season. It's felt like, but at the same time, it's felt off like in the sense of, uh, or it's, it's felt all the same. Like it, it's, it, we're back to what we've talked about before you and I even started this podcast, we were just two friends talking about the flyers and it's just like, this team is so average. And so uh, like mediocrity, that's the only word you can describe. I'm trying to think of it. Like that's all you can say. So it's a bigger issue in a sense, because the talents watered down because you have so many teams, you don't have enough superstars. The league doesn't market you enough. And hopefully that all changes because the hockey NHL is back on ESPN starting next season. I'm so so glad let's wrap this thing up with what the best news of this week. Uh, You and I were going back and forth. We've talked about this 
before when, a year now early year in, now. early on in the podcast life about what the future of NHL broadcasting is going to be because the NBC contract is going up is coming up after the next season and it's going back to the mothership as 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 Dan Patrick calls it uh it's going back to ESPN and you immediately just think of the theme song Gary Thorne hockey night on ESPN Wednesday night hockey I'm so excited for this and I think it's just going to be so incredible to expand how this league is brought to back to North America, back to the United States. Like I'll go more into what I was shocked by in a moment, but what, what, where did you, where, what were your initial thoughts? My initial thoughts was thank God. Yeah. Because I've been saying for a decade now that NBC is too suit and tie, meaning it's too buttoned up. It's too corporate. It's too professional. It does not cater to the average sports fan. What kills me again. And I'll tell you, it, I, I was watching the game. It was, uh, it was, it was watching a replay of Thursday night's game. And there was the play with the goal of Lawton scored where they showed a replay. And I watched like five times. My wife was like, what are you doing? Why do you keep reminding me? Just listen. I said, just, just listen. And you listen, you heard the clang. And then you heard the roar of the crowd. And this was on, this was on NBC sports net. So, and then they come up with the other replay of the, the overhead angle where it just, you heard the clang and you heard the crowd go. And I'm like, man, I said, I, I, I totally turned around and said, that's what you're going to hear more on ESPN next season. That's what I love it because you don't hear enough of the crowd. You don't hear enough of the on-eye sets. Even during the bubble, you barely heard it. You heard only the announcers, which yeah. is annoying. You, yeah. you, or fake and, crowd noise. What Awful. Whatever reason, NBC just never had the sport. They, they, they made it really professional, and they did a really good job of doing it, but they didn't have the action that ESPN brought to it. ESPN would have the, the low-cut camera angles a lot. They would switch them around a lot. They'd have the behind-the-net angle every time on the power play, which you felt like they were gonna, every team was always going to score on. They made the game so close up, and we posted during the week. We go back. It was game five of the 2000 series with the Flyers and the Penguins. Mafia just obliterated him at home. Andy Delmore had a second hat trick of the series. And it's crazy because that that broadcasting back then, that was on regular four by three t- tube TVs with no digital. And you just heard the crowd. You saw the crowd. You saw the, the felt the emotion and everything in it. And Gary Thorne just, you know, screaming at the top of his lungs and that puck crosses the goal line. I just knew that when it came back, my initial thoughts were that emotions back. That's yeah. what, as a kid, that's what drew me into the game. Watching it on TV was ESPN, their coverage of it, that you heard the crowd, you heard the ebbs and flows of it. It wasn't in the background. It was featured, you know, the way that the announcer would be in the background, the way that you would see the crowd react, the way that they would hit the action shots. Even, every time a goal was scored, you'd zoom in on the goalie. Like that's exactly. the coolest thing. Even like, as simple as zooming in on the goalie to see his angst after uh-huh. giving up a simple goal or a tough yep. goal, like something as simple as that I felt we never got with NBC sports and look NBC sports had its good stuff like they I thought they did a great job in presentation leading up to the broadcast Doc Emmerich was obviously very good Eddie Olchek uh, Keith Jones all of those guys but the way ESPN is and as you put it you were looking at that clip from game five of of the Penguins uh, Flyers like yeah and I watched you sent it to myself as well and it's just like they're ability to capture the emotion of the game is exactly what it's been missing and it's just it's going to be a lot of fun now that they're coming back and what caught my eye and we talked about this as well is their their investment into streaming as well it's going to be on hulu it's going to be on espn plus i was pleasantly shocked by that because we Mm -hmm. talked about how when this contract was up, they could be banking on streaming, but is their product big enough? Can it be, is it, an, is, is it there that they can bank on this thing in streaming? And I initially, we both agreed, no, it's not there yet. I love that they're taking a chance with this. Mm-hmm. I plan on having ESPN plus I already have Hulu, all that stuff. Get that bundle where it's Disney plus ESPN plus Hulu, all that stuff get it so you can just tune it in and it sounds like espn plus is going to become the nhl tv or the game formerly what was years ago nhl game center for live streaming like it's going to become that and they were already great products on esp or excuse me nhl.tv 
it's just going to ramp up ever oh, more oh, yeah. on ESPN Plus. Oh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a huge risk that they're taking, and I'm glad they're doing it because that is another pipeline that they can make in revenue stream. You can market players, and like it's just it, the, the opportunities that are now presenting itself are endless for the NHL. So seven-year deal, this is incredible. I cannot wait for this to get started next season in 2021, 2022. And I think this is the big – and I'm agreeing with you because I think this is the biggest key. All ESPN does is sports. They mm-hmm. don't do anything else. They're not like yeah. NBC Sports, where it's a division of NBC, where it's entertainment. All their resources go into sports programming. It's not like NBC at the button down of it. So, like, I know ESPN is a part of Disney as a whole. Yeah. ESPN itself just does sports. They don't do like NBC Sports. We're going to do like feature movies here, all these different things. Like ESPN is some of that stuff, but the generally, like, I don't think that NBC has the same understanding of sports like ESPN where it's literally part of its DNA. So mm-hmm. entertainment sports programming network. I just think that ESPN knows how to cover sports the right way and get people action and because and, they depend on that viewership. And the Stanley Cup final on ABC. Oh, it's it's yes. Huge. It's it just like huge. ESPN is banking they get four. on. They get four of them. They're on the contract. Yes, they get four. ABC is coming back. ABC is going to become another house. Not, I mean, it's already a household name, but it's going to be, it's going to come back into the fold for the Super Bowl rotation with NBC, CBS, and Fox. It, it's, it's going to get the Stanley Cup final for the next couple of years, four times. Like it is huge that ABC and the NHL is latching into ABC at this time when they're looking to get back into the sports game. ABC itself, I'm talking about, not just the NBA. You obviously have the, the NBA finals on ABC, but you're bringing back football. You're bringing back hockey. It's a win-win for everyone involved. And yep. Gary Bettman, all the criticism that you want to have about him, this is a slam dunk win for him. Oh, Great without job. a doubt. They nailed this contract. They absolutely nailed the contract. They got the right, they got the right partner. ESPN made the mistake in 2005 of saying they didn't need hockey. They've been trying to get it back ever since. And now they went in head first with the streaming services and now with also on uh, taking control back of actually the programming part of it on the cable side. Dude. Great deal for the NHL. I, I really, really happy with the fact that this is going to be a good new beginning then because now you're going to have it where more people are going to be attuned where they everybody, basically everybody has it. If you already stream, it's more accessibility and they're going to market stars the right way. They're going to market guys the right way. I mean, you go back and watch the old NHL montages like, you know, like you you know, they would do like Mike, a guy like Mike Madonna, but they also would show Joe Newendig and they would show Daryl Sador, Darian Hatcher and Ed Belfour. Like all those guys, and most of them you probably haven't heard of before, but they would do the montage of those kind of guys. They would do it with not only Steve Eiserman and Sergey Federov, but they would also do it with Nick Lichten before he was a star. They would do it with Joey Koser. You know, they would do it with all these different guys like Chris Osgood, <laughs> Mike Vernon. Come on, man. Like, that's how you learn the game is that they market everybody. They know the marketability with this. So instead of being like, oh, well, the Flyers, everybody knows Claude Giroux. Now everybody's going to know Sean Couturier. Everybody's going to know Phil Myers. Everybody's going to know Brian Elliott. And they're going to bring it to market them the right way because they know how to do it. So, dude, I can't wait. I know we just turned daylight savings. I know it's not even spring yet. Get me to fall, please. Just just get here as quick as possible. My wife is going to come in here and punch me in the face because I'm wishing the (laughs) summer away. We're going to be vaccinated. I don't care. I want hockey on ESPN, and I want it now, goddammit. I don't want to wait till fall. So, yes, that's that's what I want. Let's get one day closer. We thank you so much for listening. As always, this is Orange and Backcheck, episode 69, Confidence in the Flyers. Do you have it? Shoot us an email at orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. Shoot us a Twitter uh, tweet and your confidence on this episode's link. How you're feeling? Episode. All the descriptions are in, or all of those links are in the description below. Again, thank you so much for listening. ESPN coming back to the NHL Network. It's going to be incredible. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you guys next week. Off the floor, on the board, Paul Korea.